All right, today we're talking about how to be sorry and what it looks like to, to say that word. And it might be the diff, most difficult word. We're doing a series called um, 10 Words That Can Change Your Life. And Chris and I, our worship uh, leader, we were talking about this and we could have like a next series, 10 more words. Uh, but today we're talking about the word sorry. And it's a little difficult. And uh, today we're going to kind of dig deeper into maybe different than just, you know, my bad, like if you miss a free throw. But it's sort of a different level of being sorry. Uh, when I was a kid, we used to play this game called Sorry. And, you know, you remember the, uh, the object of the game. In fact, it's like Ranker lists as one of the top ten all-time games. But the idea was uh, you had, I think, four little pieces and you're trying to go around the board and get into home. And, and if you're lucky enough, if your piece lands on one of your other opponent's pieces, you get to send them home. And when you send them back to start, you say, Sorry. But you really don't mean sorry because it says the game of sweet revenge. And I'm pretty sure that sorry and sweet revenge don't kind of go together if it's genuine sorry. And so the whole point of the game, I think, is to teach kids, hey, you can say you're sorry, but you really don't have to mean it. And, and so today we're going to talk about how that looks. Okay, is everybody, are, you're, are you suffering from post-Thanksgiving uh, malaise, malaise? Is that what's going on? All right, I'm going to show you some letters of people who were sorry, okay, some stuff, some sorry stuff, sorry, all right, here we go, um, uh, Ohio Avenue, uh, Avenue neighbor, uh, I put a cute love note on what I thought was my wife's car last night, this is not going well for this guy, um, we figured out today that it was uh, in my tired state, I had put the note on the wrong car, if this car happened to be yours, I apologize for the confusion, I am not in love with you, so that's a good way to say I'm sorry, now, the, the next note is by a little kid named Liam, and um, this is the sentiment that many of us feel when we have to say we're sorry. Miss P made me write you this note. All I want to say sorry for is not being sorry, because I tried to feel sorry, but I don't. <laughs> Liam, that's awesome. Uh, now, this next one is the one, it's really kind of annoying. Uh, hi, my name is Jack. I accidentally hit your car and someone saw me, so I'm pretending to write down my details. Sorry. Uh, so, uh, Jack is a chump. If you ever have to say you're sorry, I found the perfect card. This is the perfect saying I'm sorry card. It's perfect. That's funny. I don't care who you are. Okay. So today... Let me show you a verse. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew 5, it's recorded where Jesus has this great teaching about ethics. Uh, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he talks really about this is what Christian life looks like. If you, if you only have a, a, a few verses to read, if you only read a couple of chapters in the Bible, read Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, 7, and 8. But these are just great chapters. And Jesus sort of lumps a lot of Christian living into four chapters. It's just great stuff, Sermon on the Mount. And in this he says, blessed are the peacemakers. And implied in the word itself is there is effort involved. Because to make something means you have to make an effort for it to happen. If I'm going to make bread, I have to do something. I have to you know, have flour and yeast and kneading and all those kinds of things. If I'm going to make something happen, it takes an effort. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the peacemakers. And honestly, if there was ever a verse for today in America, it would be blessed are the peacemakers. Because our society, we are full of people who are offended by everything. 
we are just not happy. Um, I, we went to, um, we're, we're, just, we're just offended by everything, just offended by everything. Um, it, in fact, being a peacemaker ought to be on our business cards. You, you might say, well, you know, what's your profession? Well, by profession, I'm a pastor, but, but because I'm a Christian, I, I'm supposed to be a peacemaker. I'm to, have, I'm, I'm to be in a relationship, a peaceful relationship with both God and as many people as possible. And so Jesus sort of expands on this idea, and he says this, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, you leave your gift there in front of the altar, you go and be reconciled to them, and then you can come and offer your gift. Here's the problem with trying to be a peacemaker. Now, you all understand, right? Being a peacemaker would be, okay, I've wronged somebody, I need to go and and reconcile with that person. There are two really big issues that we face, obstacles, if you will, when we are trying to be a peacemaker. The first one is pride. I have to swallow my pride in order to be a peacemaker. I have to admit I've done something wrong. I have to make the first step in order to make the the situation better. And most of us don't enjoy that. And so pride often gets in the way. But there's another sort of the other side of the coin that makes this quite difficult is that we don't know how it's going to be received. What if I swallow my pride, I go to be reconciled, and the person chooses not to be reconciled with me? Well, now not only I just I look like a jerk, I, I look like a chump because here I am. I made the effort, and yet the effort isn't being reciprocated, right? I, I hate that. And it reminded me of this story. This is a guy, the picture isn't great, but his, his name is Nick Lutz. And he um, had a girlfriend, and then he doesn't have a girlfriend, and she writes him an, a, kind of a, an apology letter of why they broke up. And it's four pages long, and it's handwritten. And you'd think that's really kind of a nice gesture on her part. She swallowed her pride. She said, I'm sorry. He takes the letter, and he... He critiques it. He edits it. He, he grades it. He takes a red pen and he grades it. He grades her grammar. He grades, she, in one place she says, I hope that you've been thinking about me. And he writes out to the side, I have not been thinking about you. You know, um, I, I hope you can forgive me. Well, I really, you know, you need to show actions, not just words. And he gives her a D minus. And then he takes pictures of it and he posts it to social media and he gets... Tens of thousands of likes. Nick Lutz, also known as Nick Putz. Uh, because, let me tell you this. He also got <laughs> girls who wanted to go out with him for doing this. Girls. Why would you want a jerk who, if you do something wrong and you apologize, isn't going to accept it? Why would you want that? Why would anybody want to get in a relationship with that? Really, seriously, he should have been shamed off the internet. He should be living in Cuba right now. Uh, and really, because she did the right thing. She's the one that swallowed her pride. She's the one that uh, kind of put it, put it out there. You know, I'm sorry. And, and you're probably saying to me, Pastor, if you're trying to talk us into being a peacemaker... This is the worst illustration ever. Well, yeah, because here's what I want you to know. Jesus 
often in Scripture, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, you should read this because there's lots of stuff here, Jesus asks us to do things that are not easy, that are not enjoyable, and that may not be even effective. He never promises us that we're going to be reconciled with people. He just says it's the right thing to do. Sometimes you do the right thing even if it doesn't work out the way you think it should. Because here's the, ultimately, if we're living to be in harmony with God, we must make an attempt to be in harmony with people. Disharmony with others unplugs us from a relationship with God. I've got a cell phone. We all have cell phones. You're going to understand this illustration. The other day I, I went to bed, and when I went to bed I plugged it in, and I let it charge overnight, and when I got up I you know, unplugged it and put it in my pocket, and I get to work and I check it, and I'm at 5% charge. What happened? I almost plugged it in. I was close to plugging it in. I got it in the vicinity of plugging it in. It seemed like it was plugged in. It just wasn't plugged in. And I might seem to be in a good place, and I might seem to people to be in a great relationship with God, but honestly, when my, when my relationships with others aren't right, it affects my relationship with God. And let me show you a couple of verses. These are just powerful. If it is possible... As much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, what's the inference here? Well, sometimes it, it's not just you. you. You know, what's the old expression? It takes two to tango. It, it takes two to reconcile. It takes two to live in peace. Sometimes people don't want to live at peace. But as far as it depends on you, you're to live at peace. In Ephesians, kind of same message, same author. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. As much as it depends on you. So Jesus is telling us, hey, to be obedient, you have to try to be in, in good relationship with people. And obedience always trumps outcome. There's no guarantee that the person's going to say, oh, yeah, let's be buddies. But that is our task. So, if Jesus is calling us to be peacemakers, how do we do it? Let's go back to that text about, you know, leaving your, your offering at the altar and going and being reconciled. Because I think there's some, some principles there that we can take and use. And so let's just, let's start there. The first thing is, once you realize you're in kind of sideways with somebody, that's the time to make a difference. You do it right away. Now look at, when we're taking communion, this, these are one of the, this is one of the verses that we talk about. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. It's, it's, called, it's kind of, it's self-evaluation. Lord, I'm going to pray right now and I want to know where are we? Are, are we okay with one another? And here's what I find when I pray this prayer. And there, let me show you another verse, and I'll, I'll kind of explain it to you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. When I ask God to kind of do a soul cleanse, hey, God, show me stuff. Are there things I'm, I'm getting wrong here? We, we did the book. Uh, we studied the book together as a church, not a fan, a few months ago, maybe a year ago. And 
that book really affected me deeply in that it caused me to remember some relationships that I had in college. Now, that's quite a while ago. I had these relationships in college that didn't end well, and I never resolved them. And I felt as if God was saying, you need to resolve these. Evidently, I was a jerk in college because I had at least two of these. And so one guy, um, it wasn't that big a deal. I mean, you know, sure, I found a roadkill and put it in his fridge. But I, I don't know how that's, well, how that can be construed as not nice. I, you know, it was just a joke. But he took it wrong. Cliff, I mean, really, seriously, man, you know, what, what, what's a brother to do? And so, and he's a preacher, so he had to forgive. It was great. It was really good. So I sent him an email, and I said, man, I'm sorry. you remember that? He was like, oh, I remember that. And uh, I said, did you, I know you probably didn't know it was me. And he wrote back, yeah, I knew it was you. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Oh, it's so good. It's okay. You know, I, knew, I forgave you a long time ago. It was great. And there was a girl, and I hadn't treated her well, and I was kind of mean to her, and and I, I, I sent her an email. I found her on Facebook. There's only one. Facebook's only good for one thing, and it's like that kind of stuff. And so I, I, I wrote and I said, you know, I'm so sorry. Here's the deal. Uh, I, I, I just, this bothers me today. It still eats at me, and I need to make this right. And she wrote back. She's very gracious. It doesn't always end that way. I've apologized to people before that it didn't end good. These two just happened to end well for me. It doesn't really matter how it ends as much as it depends on you. Make every effort as much as it depends on you to live at peace with people. And those things bothered me. And they started to bother me because I asked God, what, what is it that's keeping us from having a great relationship together? Because the, the world has a lot of needs. We need better governments, and we need better medicines, and we need better laws, and, and we need you know, better water and better food, and we need better justice. But mostly our world needs better people who treat people better. We need better people. And your best shot at helping somebody be better is you. I can make myself better. I, I don't have much of a shot at making other people better. You know, how many times have we said, you can't control what somebody else does. I, I can't control my kids. I can't control my wife. I can't control my church. I can't control the elders. I can't, there's a lot of things I can't control. I can't control other people, but I can control me, and I can make me better. And I, honestly, the world needs better people. And if we were better people, if all of us in this room, if we decided today, we're going to commit to being peacemakers. When, when we're uh, seeing social media and people are sniping at each other, and, and we are the peacemaker, you know, hey, maybe, maybe we should just all shut up. You know, maybe that's what we should say. If we were just better people, if we were people who were committed to making peace, it, it would revolutionize the world and we can start with us as much as it depends on you live at peace with everyone make peace with other people there's no proverb I, I like this an offense against your neighbor builds offense between you and God it, it is 
I feel that when I'm in relationship with God, if I don't get it right, that um, if I don't have it right with other people, then I, I just seem to have a barrier between me and God. Now, let's, let's step back just a little bit. Jesus, again, Sermon on the Mount, he's teaching about how we treat people. And now we like this first verse. Jesus said, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder, for if you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. Yes, do not murder. Can I get a witness? We're all good with it. Do not murder. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's weak. Okay, all right, it's okay. okay. But now the next part, the next part. We're going to take a little quiz right after this next verse. I want, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you read this? But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. When does that happen? You're not as good an audience as the other uh, service. Driving. Road rage. Anybody, nobody else thought of road rage? <laughs> Liars. Uh, yes. I drove 325 miles from here to Danville, Kentucky, and back for the holidays. I had ample opportunity for road rage, and I took every one of them. Uh, every time, I had a chance. Because it's like, and we, we don't even, we can't cuss, we're Christians, but we, you, you say, you know, that son of a Pharisee, I mean, you say stuff, you got to say something, you can't just let it go. And, and, and like if you're at the stoplight and the light turns green and the person in front of you, you can tell they're looking at their phone. They're looking at their phone. They're looking at their phone. What do you do? Do you sit there patiently? No, you don't. You get on the horn. That's right. I hold that horn down. I, I tell you, I held it down so long the other day, I thought Jesus probably thinks it's time to come back. I mean, it's, I had, that thing was blaring. Okay. We get, it, we, we get this. By the way, Google this when you get home. Uh, in Danville, Kentucky, my hometown on Black Friday at the Walmart, two ladies got into a fight. I'd like to clear the air. They, it was not my wife or my daughter's. My mom's 85. It might have been her. Uh, I don't know. She was out of the house for a while, and she came back a little bruised. But I don't know. I don't know. We, we are so... Short with people. I mean, really, seriously. And this tells me, if I could edit the Bible, there's some stuff I would take out. I don't like this whole part. If you say, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call somebody an idiot, I mean, good grief. How many times do we do this stuff? And then there's this verse, this one. This is about, hey man, get, settle accounts quickly. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. I heard about one couple, they talked about this, and they said, we practices in our marriage we don't let the sun go down while we're still angry we won't go to sleep if we're angry with one another and the guy said yeah one time we were up for about a week so you know you have to really watch yourself but when you realize hey i've got a i've got an issue someone's got an issue with me do it immediately the second thing is this first go this is intensive the language in the greek is like intense it's like rocky balboa intense when you read this, in the background, you need to hear, bing, bing, bing. And every guy in here, the, the hair on the back of your neck standing up, you're ready to go at it right now, aren't you? You're ready to throw down. You, it's intense. It is intense. Go 
first. You go, you, you take care of it immediately. You don't wait around. Because here is the deal. God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. See, here's the deal. Because Jesus died for me to be reconciled with me, I am in a position, my responsibility is to be reconciled with others. Reconciliation is my responsibility. So for us to get this in our minds, we're going to say it together, okay? Reconciliation is my responsibility. When you get to my, I want you to my, okay? On three, one, two, three. Reconciliation is my responsibility. It is. It is. There was a movie a few years back called The Straight Story about these two guys. Alvin Straight's the guy on the lawnmower with the cig. I like that guy. The other guy is Henry, his brother. Alvin, at 73, year old, uh, 73 years old, hears that his older brother, Henry, who lives in Iowa, I mean, in Wisconsin, has suffered a stroke. Now, they had been estranged from one another for over 10 years. And so Alvin decides that he needs to make it right. But because of health issues, his eyesight's bad, he can't drive. He gets on his mower and he drives for 300 miles from Iowa to Wisconsin to visit his brother because he's not going to do it over the phone. Now, listen to this story. About four, I want you to do the math. About four days and 21 miles into the trip. Yeah, he ain't flying, uh, just so you know. His lawnmower breaks down. It costs him uh, $325 to get repairs. Um, 90 miles into the trip, who knows how long that took, he runs out of money. Now, he has built <laughs> this janky little 10-foot trailer that he pulls along the back of his lawnmower. And he pulls this lawnmower with his little trailer all the way 300 miles. I just did 300 miles. That is a long drive in a car. I can't imagine a lawnmower. It took him forever. He broke down again two miles from his brother's house. And a farmer came and pushed him the rest of the way. And yet, he made reconciliation with his brother. Um, in fact, his brother Henry moved back to Iowa so he could be closer to family. The, the, the question it leaves us with is, what ends would you go to to be reconciled with somebody I, I mean the, the guy Alvin Strait was like I, I can't let him die and, and us still be estranged from one another you've probably heard of John Grisham who's a great author of a lot of those um, lawyer novels I, I like his stuff quite a bit and he graduated from Mississippi State University with a law degree and he had an encounter with um, a, a classmate uh, a few years after that who had terminal cancer. And he talked to him and he said, I don't mean to be curt, but when you know that death is imminent, what do you do? How, how, do, you, how do you handle life? And his friend said, listen, it's pretty simple. You make sure you're right with God, number one. Number two, you spend all the time with your family that you can. And number three, any conflict that you might have you resolve because you want to be right with God and with people when you meet your maker see, see Alvin and Henry those guys they wanted to have a relationship and, and Alvin I, you know if he had gotten there 300 miles on a lawnmower if he had gotten there and his brother didn't want to be reconciled 
would it have been worth it? It still would have been worth it because he made every effort. See, the problem with us is we, we have a tendency to overestimate our, uh, underestimate our part of, of the issue and overestimate the other person's part of the issue. Let, this, this is one of my all-time favorite verses. Those with good sense are slow to anger. <laughs> so if you're quick to anger, you should uh, put two and two together here. And it is to their glory to overlook an offense. I think that's a cool verse. P- people are probably likely to do you wrong. It is likely. And when somebody does you wrong, it is to your glory to overlook and offense. So, to be a peacemaker, you do it now, you do it you know, immediately, you, you make the effort to go. The third thing is, you do everything you can to be reconciled to them. Let me show you a picture. This guy is Ramon Navarez. He used to be the Prime Minister of Spain in the mid-1800s. Um, on his deathbed, the priest came and he asked him a question. Your Excellency, do you forgive all your enemies? And this was his response. I don't have to forgive my enemies. I've had them all shot. <clears throat> That's one approach. Uh, it's one approach. It's not a good approach. Um, but I found it funnier than you did, evidently. So it's okay. To be reconciled means this. To change one's feelings toward another person. To change your feelings about somebody else. Here's, I'll give you some practical steps. You want to be reconciled with somebody. You avoid excuses. It's not, hey, I said that, my blood sugar was low, you know, or Kentucky just got beat, and so I was in a bad mood, you know. No excuses. I was wrong. No excuses. I, here's where I was wrong. I'm going to admit specifically what I've done. I acknowledge that this hurt you, and I'm sorry for that. I apologize. I accept the consequences. You don't have to accept my apology. I get that, but I'm going to apologize. I'm going to ask forgiveness. And I want you to know I'm going to change the way I behave. What's interesting to me, Old Testament, New Testament, it talks throughout the Bible about reconciliation. Let me give you an Old Testament example. When they sin in any of these ways and realize their guilt, when they come to a conscious awareness of it, they must make restitution in full. When there's a problem, it's a matter of maturity. When we realize we've made a mistake, we say we're sorry. How many of us as parents have to teach our kids, what do you say? We've got kids that are in conflict with each other, siblings, they sort of fight. And how many of us have to say, what do you say to your sister? What do you say to your brother? I'm sorry, sorry. We have to teach them. You want to know why? Because it doesn't come natural. That's why Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. It doesn't come natural. Look at this text. Make allowances for each other's faults because the inference is there's going to be faults. People have them. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so what's the word? You what? Must forgive others. He doesn't leave us any other options. See, Jesus paid for our sins. So when we're forgiving, we're just using his money, basically. We're just using his forgiveness to forgive others. When I was a kid, my dad would always pay when we went to, to eat out, right? 
So we'd go out, and, and I would order the food, and I would eat the food, but my dad would pay. And then I got married, and I had kids, and we would go out with my mom and dad, and I would order the food, and I would eat the food, and my dad would pay. <laughs> it's the way it ought to be. God was happy with that. Now, I'm a dad right now. I've got kids who have jobs, have an ability to pay. We go out to eat just like we did for Thanksgiving. We go out to eat. They order the food. They eat the food. But what happens when the check comes? No, I go to the bathroom. I hope somebody picks up the check. But, but, but mostly, somebody, that never works, by the way, it never works yet. Um, what we have to understand is somebody else has paid for us. I enjoy grace. I enjoy it. I enjoy being forgiven. I, I didn't pay anything for that. But I live in it. If that has been given to me as a free gift, isn't it right for me to share it with others? I've been given it. I should share it with others. Uh, that's a cool verse. Make allowances. This is the whole thing about as much as it depends on you. Make every effort. Make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. He might add today, stop being easily offended. Remember, the Lord forgave you. He's already paid for this. So you must forgive others. This is lead, leading to worship. We go immediately, we reconcile, and now we can be in right relationship with God. Let, let me show you a verse. This one kind of, you talk about a gut-punched verse. This is it. John is Jesus' best friend. He writes this toward the end of his life. If someone says, I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person, and he's very subtle, very subtle here, that person is a liar. <laughs> and don't you want to say, well, what do you really think, dude? Uh, for if we don't love people we can see, how in the world can we love God whom we cannot see? If you can't love people around you, then you're a liar. Man, I mean, dude, he just... Now, here's some things that are come to your mind. Pastor's talking about, I need to go forgive people. I need to seek peace. But... I really don't need to. It's really not. They already know. I, I, I'm not like those reprobates. You know, I'm not, I'm not a thief. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a kidnapper. I'm not a drug dealer. I'm not a fan of a sports team who has a devil as a mascot. I'm not like that person. That's funny. I don't care who you are. I'm decent. I'm good old decent people. I'm decent people. You know what decent people did? Decent people are the ones that put Jesus on the cross. So you would say, oh, I don't really need to. The other excuse that we come up with is, I don't really want to. <laughs> well, no duh. <laughs> yeah. I've looked at the Bible. Nowhere does it say, thou shalt not do what thou doesn't want to doest. Uh, it never does say that. We do things we don't want to do. Jesus asks us to, and we do them. So or the other, it's not going to work. Again, let's go back to this. My obligation is to obedience, not outcomes. I'm to be obedient. God deals with the outcomes. What if, 
you don't get reconciled immediately, but it's the first domino that has to fall in that person's life to get them to the place God wants them to be. We do not know what God is going to do with our attempt at reconciliation. Maybe the end game isn't just immediate reconciliation. Maybe God's going to use it for some other means, and that would be super cool if God uses it to do something amazing. Is there another way? No. There isn't another way. Here's a, a picture we took while we were at, in Thanksgiving uh, back in Kentucky. My uncles, a uh, couple cousins. These are the McCoys of the Hatfields and McCoys. Back in the late 1800s, they had this big feud, and it was like national news. And evidently, it's between some people in Kentucky and West Virginia, and in Virginia, kind of down in that triangle. And a um, hundred people lost their lives in this feud. Nobody exactly knows what the feud is about. It's kind of funny to me when you read about it. They sort of say it's probably because some of them stole hogs, but they don't really exactly know for sure. And then years later, they finally reconciled because, honestly, they couldn't remember what the feud was about in the first place. How many of us hold on to, to these, these feuds? We're feuding with people, and maybe we do remember. And is it really that important? Because the Bible tells us, as far as it depends on you, they may have wronged you grievously. And it might be horrible what they've done. And this might be overwhelming. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If followers of Jesus would just be makers of peace, our world would be transformed. Every week we end with a question. This week we're going to end with three questions. It's just too, there were too many. Is there someone you need to go to this week or maybe even today and say you're sorry? Has, when we were talking about it, it's interesting to me. After the first service, I had a lady that came up to me and she said, Pastor, i got to tell you, I've got a sister. She lives a long way away. When I go home... I'm going to write her an email because I really need to get resolved. We need to have some resolution. Is there anybody like that for you that you need to say, I'm sorry? Again, you may not get the outcome you're hoping for. It, that's not the issue. When God calls us to do something, obedience always trumps outcome. Do what he calls you to do. Do you have a habit of not admitting when you're wrong? It's a really bad habit. You should break that. I should break that. And this last one, is there someone you need to forgive even when he or she hasn't come to you? And that one is crazy hard because they've not even admitted. They've not even asked for it. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. These are the words of Scripture, and they are difficult. And they will change your life. Father, we thank you that you challenge us today to live at peace. Not just living at peace, but being promoters of peace. We're to be people who lift peace high. We're, we're, we're to be people who 
do everything we can to have a great relationship with everyone we can. Father, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for what you've done. You've made peace with us so we can make peace with others. Help us to reflect that peace that you give us onto others. We pray it and we ask it in Jesus' name.